0: Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast,
1: Carrie Martin. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 22 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Friday, November 30th, 2018. We've got a packed podcast for you this week. As usual, we kick it off with news headlines. A lot of our news headlines will deal with harvest conditions. As we wrap up second crop rice harvest, we're right in the middle of Louisiana sugarcane harvest. And we'll take a look back at how the Louisiana soybean harvest went. And of course, that's not a very good story to tell. But we'll visit with LSU Ag Center soybean specialist Todd Spivey about how soybeans ended up this year in Louisiana. We'll also take a look at the kickoff of the 2019 crawfish season as well. In grassroots government, we're visiting with Louisiana 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham. He introduced a bill to help Louisiana soybean farmers who are struggling this year, and we'll also get an update on the farm bill from Congressman Abraham. We go in the field this week back to Evangeline Parish to visit with Richard Fontenot. We've had Richard on the podcast a couple of times this year. He'll give us an update on how his second crop rice harvest is going, And he'll also give us an update on that very sad soybean situation that he's dealing with this year. Richard has gotten national attention over the last couple of weeks. He has been featured in stories in national news outlets across the entire country. Avery Davidson was on his farm earlier this week, and while he was there, CNBC had a film crew there as well. So Richard has been all over the media talking about the soybean situation and the fact that he's had to literally just plow up most of his soybean crop this year. We'll have our regular market analysts check in with us on the cattle and grain markets, and then we wrap it all up with a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar. We've got a lot of national meetings coming to Louisiana over the next month or so, and we'll run down a lot of those meetings as well as what's happening all over the state in Louisiana agriculture. All that's coming up on Episode 22 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, and it all kicks off right now.
0: Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
1: The Louisiana soybean harvest is about wrapped up for this season, but as Don Molino reports, not everyone had a great year.
2: But even though the 2018 soybean season had just about come to an end, LSU Extension Service soybean specialist Dr. Todd Spivey at the Deanley Research Station Says the year started off a little rough,
3: but I tell you what, by the middle of the season, things were looking really good. There was a lot of uh, a lot of good news around. There wasn't much disease pressure this year. Insect pressure was way down this year. Going into the harvest season, things were looking good, and and, and folks were keeping their fingers crossed that it would stay that way. But it, it definitely started good with the harvest. We um, a lot of growers in in late August and early September were making really good uh, really good yields. There were some harvests of some near personal best, but really starting around the middle of September, um, we started catching rains, and we didn't quit catching rains, and in a lot of places, we haven't quit catching rains, even now, but uh, that's that's what really turned things around for us, especially in the southern part of the state. Crowley, for instance, from September 19th to October 1st, that's a 12-day period, they had one day without rainfall. And uh, so that, that really hurt our growers, and, and it kept it kept our growers from harvesting what was ready, and even some things that were harvested became unmarketable. Um, we had a we had a lot of uh, high damage beans, and because of uh, the market situation, on top of that, uh, elevators weren't accepting beans that in a normal year uh, would be accepted. So. Uh, elevators were limiting damage that they would accept anywhere 5 to 7%, and that would be if you had a contract. If you didn't have a contract, you were looking at only getting about 3%. South of Rapids Parish, about 38% of the acres went unharvested um, or are still unharvested. Um, about 15 to 20% of the acres were harvested but were unmarketable. Now, some of, uh, some of these beans were able to be stored Uh, and when I say some, I mean few, were able to be stored. So there's the potential that that some of those stored beans can be sold once the market gets a little better, but it's been pretty rough. Uh, Statewide, we're estimating about, and this is an upper limit, but we're estimating about 190,000 acres total that were either unharvested or unmarketable. So we're talking, you know, could be as much as, as $60 million from this wet weather this fall that was lost due to unharvested or unmarketable beans. Now, that number does not include any unharvested acres. That only includes harvested acres. Really, that average stayed where it did because of the beans that were harvested in the northern part of the state. If it was harvested throughout the month of September in the north, it was not uncommon for those guys to be making their personal best. Some folks even averaged their entire farm above 90 bushels to the acre. That in itself is going to bring up a lot of lower numbers, um, especially as you go further south. And even in the south, when we're not including the unharvested acres, the numbers that were coming out to begin with were great. There were growers in Beauregard Parish and in Calcasieu Parish who were averaging up to 50 bushels an acre, and that's really good for those guys down there.
1: I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. The Louisiana sugarcane harvest is around half done, and it's been a very wet and muddy harvest season. LSU Ag Center sugarcane specialist Kenneth Gravois says that will affect how much sugar the mills can extract from the cane.
4: Mills
5: are equipped with clarification to take the mud out, but every time mud leaves the mill, a little sugar leaves with it. You bring in extra trash. Any time bag leaves the back end of the mill, it takes a little sugar back out with it.
1: And it's not just the mills that see the effects of the mud. It costs farmers money to harvest in those conditions. Sugarcane grower Mikel Pinsonat. It
3: takes us a lot longer to get the tractors out the field, trucks to the mill. We burn, on average, 200, 250 extra gallons of fuel a day and extra wear and tear on your equipment.
1: The United States Department of Agriculture has designated three Louisiana parishes as contiguous disaster areas. That's a result of the excessive rain and flooding that happened between April 1st and June 30th of this year. Those three parishes are Concordia, East Carroll, and Tinsaw. Eunice-based Riceland Crawfish is planning a $3 million expansion that will allow the company to add 10 permanent jobs and 30 to 40 seasonal jobs. The addition will allow the company to package, freeze, and sell crawfish all year long. It will have its products in over 900 Walmart stores nationwide. Second crop rice yields in Louisiana are looking very good this year. Acadia Parish rice farmer Brent Pousson.
3: Second crop yields uh, so far have been uh, about 40 to 50 percent of uh, first crop yields. And uh, I'm satisfied with the, the way it's turning out so far. The way the prices are right now, it uh, is very important that we get we can have a good second crop to uh, to keep the wheels turning, especially with the added cost of of the uh,
6: degradation of the field conditions.
1: LSU Ag Center agent Jeremy A. Bear says hitting that fifty percent mark is what most farmers are shooting for.
6: You hope to get
5: half. Uh, that's what most farmers are going to be aiming for is to get. 50% of their uh, first crop. This year, I think it worked out in a lot of farmers' favors where they've
6: gotten 50%.
1: The Louisiana crawfish industry is alive and well, and consumers are starting to look forward to that first harvest of the 2019 season. Don Molino reports that crawfish farmers face some of the same problems as livestock and grain farmers.
2: According to LSU Ag Center Extension Service aquaculture specialist Dr. Greg Lutz, it's still early in the crawfish season, but so far, Producers haven't found any red flags.
6: So far, We've, you know, the weather has been cooperative, and um, those warmer temperatures help the crawfish grow and, and get up to market size pretty quick. It's cautiously optimistic at this point.
2: But costs for producers keep
6: going up. Yeah, you know, this is a real issue for our crawfish industry, and it's something that the consumers don't necessarily think about. The cost of bait has gone up quite a bit. Um, it's, it's hard to find good natural bait these days. Of course, fuel and labor and everything else. We got a little break on gasoline right now, but overall, and you look at the long term and, um, it costs maybe twice as much to harvest crawfish as it did just 10 or 12 years ago. Is
2: it best to get your crawfish farm raised or in the wild or does it matter?
6: You know, in terms of quality, um, there's not a big difference. Quite often the wild crawfish have a little bit larger size uh, depending on the year, the season. Um, Overall, on a global basis, when you look at um, seafood markets, there's a a lot of emphasis now on traceability and, and sustainability. And on both those fronts, the, um, the farm-raised crawfish uh, seem to be a little bit ahead of our wild harvest. But um, I think from a typical consumer standpoint, you're not going to see a whole lot of difference.
2: And the age question, when's the best time to buy crawfish?
6: In, in terms of the quality, the trade-off between the size and, and still being um, nice and green and full of fat and easy to peel, probably somewhere around... February or March, those are probably the perfect crawfish. But if you're looking for the most bang for your buck, you know, that usually happens later in the season. Historically, the uh, the price is going to fall some uh, after Easter. That's just part of the deal. But um, also that time of the year, the crawfish have begun to slow down their growth and they're going into maturity. The shells get harder. Uh, the fat gets a little bit darker you know, any time is really a good time to get some crawfish.
2: Is crawfish acreage in Louisiana decreasing, increasing, or staying about the same?
6: Over the last decade, we have seen a real significant increase in um, in our acreage of the farm-raised crawfish. A lot of that has to do with the fact that um, it can be incorporated into rice production so easily. And in many situations, that, that crawfish makes the difference between a profit and a loss for our rice industry. So a number of rice producers have uh, included some of their acreage over the last few years and, um, well, the last couple of decades, really. I think we are up to around 220,000 acres these days.
2: Dr. Lutz also points out the Louisiana crawfish industry is expanding, but
6: there is one cloud on the horizon and that's a, uh, a a disease that crustaceans get called white spot virus. It's caused a lot of problems in shrimp farming all over the world and it's been here for quite some time. But over the last couple of seasons, it really seems to be spreading and hurting some individual farms. O- overall, it hasn't impacted our industry too much. But when the crawfish get sick in a, a given pond, they, they pretty much all get sick. So uh, for some producers, it's it's been a real issue. We're looking really hard to find some sort of research support to get a better handle on this thing. It definitely is something that that industry needs to be aware of, and we got to watch it.
2: Lutz also says white spot disease is not harmful to humans and only affects crustaceans.
6: Generally, it is going to um, destroy a lot of the tissue inside the animal, including the the nerve tissue. So so when you see a sick crawfish with this virus, they get slow, they get sort of uncoordinated. Uh, If they do manage to pinch you, they can't let go they'll fall over on their sides and they die and and typically it's the large crawfish that that succumb to this virus the young crawfish are scooting around the pond just fine but it's the big ones that die and of course it's the big ones that our producers need to harvest to turn a profit it's really of concern to some of us industry observers and um We're hoping we can find a way to do some work on it.
2: I'm Don Molino on the Voice of
1: Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. And don't forget to check out our website. We update that website every weekday with the latest news and information in Louisiana agriculture. It's voiceoflaag.com. Once again, voiceoflaag.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. If you subscribe, it'll come to your email box every weekday morning at 5 a.m. with all the latest news and happenings in agriculture in our state. There's a button right there on the home page of the website. Click that button, fill out your name and your email address, and we'll get you subscribed to The Daily Voice each weekday right there in your inbox. Coming up next, it's time for Grassroots Government. We'll check in with Louisiana 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham. Congressman Abraham introduced a bill in Congress this week to help Louisiana soybean farmers who are struggling. We'll talk about that bill and we'll get a farm bill update as he sits on the Farm Bill Conference Committee. Congressman Ralph Abraham is next on Grassroots Government, right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
7: What comes out of the ground creates energy and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil, it's sugar. sugar cane is sweet. Sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugar cane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits Research universities. Universities and schools, banks and insurance agencies.
8: Sugar cane. Sweet sugar cane.
7: The Louisiana sugarcane industry, helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana Sugar, making life sweeter, naturally.
0: It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
1: On Grassroots Government this week, we're joined by Louisiana's 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham. Hey, Gary. Hey, Congressman. How are you today?
5: I'm good, man. How are you getting along?
1: Doing real well, Congressman. I wanted to ask you about a bill that you recently filed to help Louisiana soybean farmers. Of course, we've discussed many times the situation that Louisiana soybean farmers are in with the weather damage and uh, elevators not taking the damaged beans. What would your bill do to help that situation?
5: What my bill does, it changes the payment structure to allow the farmers who couldn't harvest a crop to use. Planted acres instead of harvested acres so that they can uh, utilize the MFP to hopefully rec- recoup some of their losses. And for Louisiana alone, we're talking uh, $5 million. And in the scope of things, certainly up here in Washington, D.C., you know, that literally is a drop in the bucket. But for those farmers that could possibly receive that help, in many, many cases, it will mean the difference between you know, folding tents and not farming ever again. And, you know, continuing the family tradition.
1: Well, when U.S. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue was here in Louisiana several weeks ago, I know you were there on that visit. I visited with you then. He didn't have very good news for us. He told us that really his hands were tied at USDA. So this had to come from Congress, correct?
5: It'd be exactly right. And, you know, we uh, we like uh, Secretary Purdue, I think he does a wonderful job up here at USDA, but you're exactly right. He told us when we were down there that it was up to Congress to fix this, that he had actually tried to do it within his department but legally he could not. So it fell into our hands, and this is what my bill will do, will uh, allow him to use some of those MFP funds to pay on planted acres instead of the harvested acres. Uh, you know, the USDA told our soybean farmers, that it would have their backs during these trade negotiations due to the China tariffs. And this bill ensures that the USDA USDA will be able to honor that commitment, and Congress needs to get on board, do the right thing, and uh, get this bill passed for our hardworking farmers.
1: Well, and part of this is the trade situation—not all of it. This was one of those perfect storms where weather right. really stepped in and caused a big problem. But yes, the trade situation played its role as well.
5: Yep, we've got a—you know—we've got a double or a triple whammy. We've got the trade. We've got the Midwest that are shipping all their beans down to our elevator, so they're full because they're not going to the West Coast because of the China trade uh, debacle. And uh, you know, again, this is up to Congress to. Uh, do the right thing, step up to the plate, swing the bat, and hit a home run for our farmers.
1: Well, of course, uh, you can't pass that on your own. You're going to have to have a lot of support in Congress. What is the reaction you've gotten from other congressional members on that bill?
5: Well, we, we just literally dropped the bill this week. Uh, I am meeting uh, today and the rest of this week with the members of Congress, with the members of the committee, with the chair of the House Committee on Agriculture, Uh, We are talking directly with the USDA. Uh, They are helping us craft the language that they uh, find uh, acceptable that that will allow them to, again, pay from the MFP funding. So we've got our fingers right now in a lot of camps uh, and hopefully stirring the pot in the right direction.
1: President Trump will be attending the G20 coming up later this week. Do we expect any good news to come out of that meeting?
5: I do. You know, I'm always the optimist in the room, and I I really do think you will see movement uh, in the G20 summit between uh, President Xi of China and President Trump as to making some headway, and I am hopeful that they will make a lot of headway. These are two countries that uh, basically uh, control the global economy. Uh, They know that, and uh, we, we need to get this trade deal behind us and certainly do uh, a better deal for the United States as far as China's concerned, but at the same time, you know, take care of my farmers, too.
1: Let's switch directions and talk about the Farm Bill for a minute, Congressman. You sit on the Farm Bill Conference Committee. Has there been any progress made, any movement in the Farm Bill as we get toward the end of the year and the end of this Republican Congress?
5: There's a lot of movement. I'm not sure it's in the positive sense. Uh, again, even today, uh, there is movement on... Uh, some timber legislation, whether to strike it from the bill, keep it in the bill. You know, on the House side, uh, we've done our due diligence. We've got it over to the Senate, and uh, it's where it's being held up is on the Senate side. We are working diligently with our uh, Senate friends over there to uh, get uh, get it moved and get it to the president's desk. We know what happens if we don't pass a farm bill before the new Congress starts. It goes back to square one. Uh, the Democrats want to rewrite it in a whole different fashion, which I certainly uh, do not like. And it's not good for our farmers if we don't get a farm bill passed. So, you know, again, we are we are pushing very, very hard to get this thing done quickly.
1: What do you think the chances are of getting it done before the end of the year?
5: I, I You know, again, being the optimist, I, I think it's good. Uh, I think the chances are good to get a, a farm bill done before the first year year. And, uh, you know, hopefully when we talk again, I'll be proven right.
1: Congressman Ralph Abraham, Louisiana's 5th District. Thank you so much, Congressman.
5: Thank you. You guys have a great day.
1: Coming up next, we go in the field to talk with Richard Fontenot. We've had Richard on the podcast a couple of times this year. We're going to visit with him one more time. Richard made national news over the last couple of weeks with stories appearing anywhere from the New York Times on down about his soybean situation and losing practically all of his soybean crop this year. Avery Davidson took a trip out to Richard's farm near Ville Platte last week, and he'll visit with Richard in the field next on The Voice of Louisiana on Agriculture Podcast.
8: This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation, so while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
0: taking you to the fields of louisiana as we hear from one of you
1: in the field on the voice of louisiana agriculture podcast in the field this week we go to evangeline parish where avery davidson visits with richard fontenot about his current second crop rice harvest and the situation he's faced this year with his soybean crop. Avery?
4: Thanks, Kerry. I am in the field on the farm of Richard Fontenot in Evangeline Parish. And Richard, thank you for having the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast out to your farm. You're in the throes of harvesting your second round of rice. How is that going so far?
9: Avery, it's going pretty good this year. Uh, we were kind of reluctant uh, with all the rains and the, and, the, and the delays we had in the first crop. But at, at the end of the day, I think we're going to have as good an average crop, possibly a little above average from the reports I'm hearing outside.
4: Uh, obviously, you're loading up trucks, going, going in and out. You were talking earlier about your bins last year on December 15th were empty. They're full right now. What's that like?
9: Well, it's, it's a little strain on the market. You know, you have uh, a lot of these different discussions in relation to tariffs and trade agreements and NAFTA renegotiations, things of that nature. So it's really softened up some of our export potential. Uh, as you know, uh, rice-wise in southwest Louisiana, we export 75% of what we produce. And it's critical that we have these export markets. And uh, these trade negotiations have slowed some of those sales down, and we're seeing it back on the farm.
4: How is that affecting you and your bottom line?
9: The bottom line, it's going to stretch things out. 2018 was a rough year. Uh, we, we usually like to get rid of inventory, and, and the guys down south, the mills and then the buyers and the exporters like to move product, too. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's not beneficial for us to sit on commodities here. It's, it's beneficial for us to get it out in a timely manner, and it's going to just delay you know, revenue streams coming in. Uh, it's tough going into uh, this spring. We're going to have to be sitting down with bankers, working on crop loans, things of that nature, sitting on a lot of inventory and some uncertainty with that. Uh, so it, it, it provides a little uneasy situation going into a 2019 crop, but uh, it's not something that's uncommon, but it's it's not as comfortable as it was years past.
4: Well, we were talking about your rice when it came to soybeans. You've gotten national attention about what's happened with your soybean crop. Tell me a little bit about what your soybean crop year 2018 was like. Uh,
9: my brother and I's crop is not unlike a lot of other, it's a very representative of what we're facing in southwest Louisiana, Louisiana as a whole, because you know you had central growers in the state, as well as uh, in the south part of the state that had similar issues in, in, reg- in regards to being able to move the crop in a timely manner, and unfortunately weather came in in those venues and, and really deteriorated crop on, on an exponential value and uh, so in our situation in our particular parish we had 65% of the soybean crop unharvested um, either destroyed via plow or shred combination of ways so when you have that much commodity out there it really puts a a damper on on the outlook for the coming year Uh, there are some efforts to try to alleviate some of those those pains Uh, we have Congressman Abraham that does a fantastic job with us he's really trying to help the producers and, and the administration to try to get some of these MFP payments that that have been talked and discussed about uh, applied to harvested as well as unharvested acres and trying to make those changes so we can try to accommodate all those soybean growers in the state with some of this stuff these trade distorting issues that have affected.
4: 5th District Council, uh, Congressman Ralph Abraham introduced that bill. How instrumental do you think uh, Farm Bureau involvement and in communication between the Louisiana Farm Bureau, American Farm Bureau, and Congressman Ralph Abraham was very involved with Farm Bureau as well. How much do you think that played a role in having that legislation presented?
9: I think it was it was a direct effect of our communications with him in a timely manner, our willingness to share our story and our venue, and hats off to folks like the Commissioner of Agriculture Secretary Perdue, uh, Congressman Abraham, uh, uh, Congressman Graves and, and uh, Congressman Johnson and all these guys have really taken our message up to DC and are really trying to plug in a fix and include us in a situation that we need to be included in. And, and we do have a dynamic dynamic impact affecting us as these, these trade agreements are affecting us.
4: Well, Richard, I appreciate you hosting us and CNBC today out on your farm. Well, it's
9: definitely an honor, and it's a privilege to be able to share our message, and unfortunately, it's not always a good one. This is one of those times where we need to share our story, and we got to share the good and the bad, and it's it's a privilege and honor to have that opportunity.
4: He is Louisiana Farm Bureau third vice president and Evangelion Parish farmer Richard Fontenot. Carrie, back to you.
1: Thanks for the help, Avery, and don't forget you can catch Avery every week on the weekly syndicated television show This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. It airs on television stations and cable systems throughout the state of Louisiana each week, as well as every Thursday at 3 p.m. on RFD-TV. Coming up next, it's time to look at the markets. We'll have our regular market analysts stop in for a look at the grain and cattle markets. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
8: This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. I grew up in Louisiana farm country and I know all the hard work and sacrifice that you put into raising livestock, growing a crop, raising a family, and running a farm. Farm Bureau puts that same hard work and sacrifice into making life better for you and your family, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
0: Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
1: To talk about the markets, we're visiting with Greg Fox. He's a grain market analyst with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg, let's first talk about the soybean market. We've seen quite a bit of volatility in this market this week. Give me your recap of what we've seen so far this week in the bean market.
10: Yeah, Monday, we it just... Fell out 20-plus cents, no real reason why. Just kind of lack of fresh news was the biggest draw out of Mondays. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, we recovered everything plus some that we lost. Um, Again, nothing really exciting news-wise for that. It just seemed to rebound. And yesterday, we saw probably positioning going into today. And then today, we're up. I think everybody's on pins and needles today waiting any kind of news out of the G20 summit in Argentina between Trump and
1: China. Yeah, I know that has definitely been the big news this week. Everybody kind of holding their breath for this G20 summit. Um, What kind of anticipation have you heard out of the grain trade on this thing?
10: Not much. It's some optimism out there, and I think that's some of the reason we're up today ahead of their scheduled meeting. I think is tomorrow, if not later today. Either way, their meet's going to be after the market. Closes. So, the overall tone, I think the market feels like they're going to get something done, but we wouldn't see a big push today. So, but it's hard to say. You know, it could go either way. You just never know whose ego is going to get in the way and crush any kind of trade deal.
1: Well, what else is going on in the grain markets? Let's look at the uh, corn market. Anything to talk about there this week?
10: Corn's been pretty steady. We saw really good corn exports, so that helped the market stay firm. You know, we're not staring at huge prices, um, but we are We were solid yesterday uh, and then again today. So, you know, that's good to see. We need to see some turnaround there. If we get these bean markets to take off, if there is some kind of trade, trade deal done, I do think that's going to pull corn up with it. Um, but we've seen some pretty decent usage on the corn side, so maybe that'll be enough to slowly work its way back up.
1: How about wheat? I know we've had that situation over in Russia that uh, has definitely played a factor in the wheat market. What have you seen going on there?
10: Wheat's up a good 10, 15 cents today, uh, depending on what futures market you're, you know, you're working off of these days. New crop wheat's up about ten cents, roughly. So, it, you know, we get some news like that, and we see these markets pop off on the wheat side, and then something comes in the next day that crushes it. So wheat. Continue to be pretty volatile and really hard to put your finger on where is it going to stay when it makes a move because you know it it can move down 20 cents and then you know 20 cents up the next day for no particular reason um but uh, hopefully we see something on that wheat side stay a little firmer give us a little bit more opportunity to diversify our crops here after this last year with the soybean
1: crop well speaking of the soybean crop greg um Is there any positive news to come out of the soybean harvest this year and now that we're kind of about done with it and looking back?
10: I mean, some of the grain facilities open up some of their damage limits. So some of that, you know, 15% damage stuff, 20% damage has been able to get unloaded slowly. um, But nothing real exciting. You know, looking back, you know, folks were just fortunate they booked some stuff early and We're able to deliver something and still waiting uh, to deliver more if these damage levels open up. But, you know, nothing uh, nothing worth talking about has really popped up lately.
1: Greg Fox with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks a lot, Greg. Yes, sir. Thank you. Now let's switch gears and talk about the cattle market, where we visit with Dave Foster, CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana.
11: Hey, Kerry. How are you doing?
1: I am great, Dave. How about you?
11: Far so good as long as I can still see that sunshine.
1: Well, Dave, let's talk about the Louisiana cattle markets right now. Looking at our Louisiana livestock auction reports this week, you can definitely see that we're into the end of the year. We're in the holiday season, and we're seeing some seasonal pressure on our calf prices right now. What are you seeing in our Louisiana livestock auction prices, other than the fact that you know we're in the holiday season and the end of the year?
11: Yes, and uh, the other thing that that that's really I, it's encouraging for the for the stockyards for sure. Is these receipts have held up and they're uh, they're they're running some pretty good numbers and higher numbers than I think than than what would be normal. Even though we had a week off and and that does happen. But uh, you know, I think Kinder had twenty two hundred head or something like that on Monday, and and so uh, usually that would be closer to fifteen hundred or or twelve hundred. So Again, for the stockyards, that's a that's a good thing. Uh, our doggone weather, carry still is is uh, is a problem for us because we've got a situation where we're 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 still selling calves and and lightweights and and, that, and those people just don't want to take them in with with storms approaching. So there's a blizzard that's supposedly be moving through uh, from Friday to Sunday and and these buyers are kind of stepping away just a little bit uh from from receiving cattle so uh although our calves uh are still are still holding strong and and uh demand will be good as if we can get this uh, this weather situation under control
1: well Dave all fall you and I've been talking about the fact that slaughter cow prices have just been under a tremendous amount of pressure prices have not been good how is that situation looking here at the end of the year
11: our killing cows have picked up price-wise a little bit as well. Uh, they've gained some strength right before Thanksgiving, and and certainly this week, uh, cow prices, killing cow prices, has have moved uh, a little higher. Uh, all of that is encouraging, and so. Uh, We just kind of have to see what what happens next.
1: Dave Foster, he, of course, is a former market reporter here in Louisiana and currently CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Coming up next, it's time to look at what's happening in Louisiana agriculture. We'll take a peek at the Louisiana Ag Calendar. We have a lot of dates to go over, and that's coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
7: What comes out of the ground, creates energy, and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. The Louisiana sugarcane industry, helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana Sugar, making life sweeter naturally.
0: Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. We have several
1: items coming up on the Louisiana Ag Calendar in the next couple of weeks. First up, this coming Thursday, December 6th, the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation's State Board of Directors is holding their bi-monthly meeting in Baton Rouge at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation headquarters. Also on that same day, Thursday, December 6th, Temple Grandin is giving a lecture in Ruston. Now, if you're not familiar with who Temple Grandin is and you're in the cattle business, you need to get familiar with this lady. She is probably the most groundbreaking cattle handling and cattle behavior researcher of our lifetime. Her practices, her research has been implemented in more cattle handling facilities than any other one person in the last 50 years. She's also very unique. She is a professor at Colorado State University. However, she also has autism, and she believes that autism allows her to see the world in the same way that cattle see the world. And as a result, that's how she's come up with all of the groundbreaking cattle handling research that she has given the industry over the last several decades. We're going to have Temple Grandin right here in Louisiana Thursday, December 6th in Ruston at the Louisiana Tech campus. So you might want to look her up and mark that on your calendar. There's also been a movie made about Temple Grandin and her life, so look that movie up as well. It's quite a treat to have her here in our state giving a lecture at the Louisiana Tech campus Thursday, December 6th. December 6th through the 8th is the Louisiana Beekeepers Association's annual convention in sulfur. If you want information on that, you can look it up on their website, labeekeepers.org. On Friday, December 7th, the Louisiana Forage and Grasslands Council is holding their annual meeting at the DeWitt Livestock Barn Facility in Alexandria. It starts at 8.15 in the morning and runs through 2 p.m. that afternoon. Again, Louisiana Forage and Grassland Council's annual meeting Friday, December 7th in Alexandria. We do have a couple of other meetings coming up to wrap up our year. On December the 10th, there's a Farm Profitability Workshop in St. Martinville. Then on December 15th, a Timber Tax Workshop in Baton Rouge. That'll wrap things up for our Louisiana meetings for 2018. Then we look into 2019 and January gets very busy for national farm meetings in New Orleans. It just seemed like this was the year for everyone to come to NOLA for their big nationwide farm meetings. It kicks off January the 8th through the 10th with the Beltwide Cotton Conferences in New Orleans. Then right behind the Beltwide Cotton Conferences, it's the American Foreign Bureau Federation's annual convention, January 11th through the 16th in New Orleans. January 23rd through the 26th, the American Sheep Industry Convention will be holding their meeting in New Orleans. And then January 30th through February 1st, it's the Cattle Industry Convention and National Cattlemen's Beef Association trade show in New Orleans. So as you can see, four big nationwide farm meetings coming to our state in the month of January. Well, that's a look at the ag calendar, and that puts the wraps on Episode 22 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. We keep those updated each weekday with all the latest news and happenings in Louisiana agriculture. We'll see you next time right here on The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.